Well, today's scripture reading uh, comes from Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 3, verses 10 through 21. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, the message this morning is called the Perseverance Perseverance Experience. It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> We're going to be talking about how do we persevere through failure. And uh, I just wanted to share with you kind of a personal failure of mine this past week, which isn't always easy to share, but, you know, I figured being vulnerable is always <laughs> helpful and uh, just... It's being honest um, because I'm not a perfect person. I hope you knew that. I hope you knew that <laughs> the pastor of this church is not a perfect person. Um, so, uh, yeah, not fun to share. But <laughs> uh, so it, I, I struggle a lot with uh, driving and with uh, my patience when I drive. And uh, this past week was difficult for a lot of ways. Not not making an excuse, but um, you know, it's just little background, and it's just what happened. But uh, this past week, uh, Erin was in Seattle. Uh, She came back uh, last Friday, thank the Lord. (laughs) But uh, I don't know, there's something about when it's just dad and the kids, that's a bit of a struggle. Um, You know, I'm sure it's hard when it's just mom and the kids, but dad and the kids just seems to be more of a struggle. Um, I'm not really sure why that is. I think I know why that is. But anyways, that, that's the case, right? So anyways, I hadn't been sleeping well this week. And again, not an excuse, but just a little background. <laughs> so it was Wednesday uh, about, uh, yeah, about noon. I was going uh, to campus to uh, meet one of the leaders. And um, on the way there, I was just, there was just like a lot of traffic things, you know, people cutting me off or people, you know, driving really slowly when I thought they shouldn't be, and just like little annoyances like that. And, and I got to campus, and uh, for those of you uh, who don't know, on Central Campus, they, they have this construction going on on South U. It's like one of the main 
uh, thoroughfares through campus is really annoying. And every week I feel like it's, it's like a different direction where they, they close off one side of the road and they're like, you can only go in this direction or this direction. I wasn't quite sure which way I could go. And so I, I go in the South View and I'm like, hey, you know, can I even go through here? And I ended up like turning around like twice, you know, and I wasn't even late. But I do one of these things when, when, when I feel like I made a mistake that, that holds me back, I kind of drive faster, you know, when I sort of correct that mistake. Like, like in my head, I, I think I'm making up for lost time. And so I, I like turned around and, you know, uh, just in my head, I'm, I'm starting to get frustrated um, and, and I'm driving kind of fast. And there's this group of Asians and they're trying to cross the street. Well, it looks like they're, they're just walking across on the street. I can tell, you know, what kind of Asians they were, uh, but there's a group of them. And I could tell they were trying to cross the street because one guy almost goes in the road and he's not looking, right? And uh, his, his friend, like, kind of holds him by the arm. He's like, oh, no, 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 don't go, right? Because he sees me coming. And so for a split second, I'm like, okay, the nice thing to do would be to let them go. But I'm like, well, they're giving me an opening here, right? And I'm already feeling, like, impatient. So I just decided to go, right? And so the thing is, though, they weren't that far from the crosswalk. So I decided to go, right? And so they walked to the crosswalk. And so, like, like, I'm waiting for my turn to turn left, and um, I'm about to go, but they're at the crosswalk, and they start crossing the street, and I'm like, okay, I should stop, right? So I, I already started going, so I hit my brakes, right? And so they could go. So I hit my brakes. I don't hit anybody. Right? <laughs> Just want to make that clear. <laughs> uh, didn't hit, hit anybody, but, you know, I had to stop kind of suddenly in front of this, this pack of guys, and they're crossing the street, and one of the guys just turns to me and just stares at me, just gives me this death stare, like, what are you doing? Like, you're a jerk. Why didn't you stop in the first place, right? He's just staring me down, like, I hate you. You're an awful person, right? Like, like I just see that in his eyes, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, you know? And so they're walking. They're still crossing the street, and the guy, like, just stops for a second, stares at me. And then his buddy looks at me, and he smiles, and he does that Korean greeting thing, right? And he smiles and he, he taps his buddy on the arm. He's like, do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? That's Pastor Steve Kong. And what I realized was that guy didn't go to our church, but he went to one of the local churches. I'd seen him at a youth retreat. And I'm just like, this is my worst nightmare. Like, this is literally my worst nightmare. So... I'm like red. I'm like so ashamed, right? And so I park and I'm still like, like just like really ashamed. So I go to Starbucks to meet the leader. Guess where this group of Asians decides to go? They decide to go to Starbucks, right? They're all sitting there. I'm like, really? Out of all the places on South U you could go, they went to Starbucks, right? And so the leader comes and I'm like, hey, man, uh, do, do you want to go somewhere else? Like, like, like are you hungry? You know, like, like I'm kind of hungry. He's like, no, no. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, I like Starbucks. I'm like, you sure? You sure you don't want to go? He's like, no, I'm, no, I'm good. I'm good with Starbucks. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, cool. So, not my proudest moment, right? It's, it was a bit of a failure for me. Not just because, because I failed to stop for the pedestrians, right? Which would have been the nice thing to do, but... I think also just how much it affected me, you know, what other people thought of me. And I think that was a failure too. And, you know, 
Friends, for me, when I experience failure, man, it just makes me want to hide, right? It just makes me want to curl up in a ball. What does failure feel like for you? Does it make you, you know, like, like you fail and you're like, yeah, failure, mmm, <laughs> that feels so good. I feel so motivated. You know, I find that if I had motivation, if I had momentum, man, just failure stops me in my tracks, you know? And that literally is like my worst nightmare, right? Like, that, that I, like someone sees me at my worst moment when I'm not acting particularly Christian and they're like, oh, Pastor Steve, you know? Like, oh, hey. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so, friends, what do we do? You know, not that you're going to have that moment because you're not Pastor Steve, but, you know, maybe there's a moment of failure for you that stops you in your tracks. Maybe, you know, throughout this whole sermon series, we've been talking about spiritual discipline. And these are some things that you've been trying to do. You're like, yeah, I'm trying to spend time with the Lord. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to read the Bible. And last week, we talked about discipline. And I was talking to somebody after the service, and and they asked me to pray for them because they had been really struggling with discipline. And one of the things that that just occurred to me, this person didn't say it, but I was praying for them, and they were getting like really emotional when I was praying for them. And one of the things that I realized is that I think a lot of us have tried to be disciplined, have tried to do things for God, and we've failed. And it really, really hurts. It really sucks. You know, and the reason why I wanted to kind of close out the sermon series talking about failure is because I think that there's probably nothing else like failure that's just halts the, our momentum and all the motivation we may have in the Christian life, it, it just halts us. It, it, it stops us in our tracks, right? And so I want to talk about how do we overcome that? How do we learn to persevere through that? And that is something that I think Jesus was very interested in because he does want us to, to live this life for him. He does want us to become more like him. He does want us to pursue his kingdom. And I know that's something for me that I want to learn how to do more and more, how to overcome failure. Is that something that you want to learn as well? Yeah, amen, amen, right? I think it's a good thing. So let's take a look at the scripture that, we have, uh, that we've read today. So this is uh, Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 10 through 21. So starting in verse 10, it says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so this is uh, sort of uh, Paul's statement of his purpose statement in life, that he wants to know the full power of the resurrection. He wants to know Christ and know him in this power. Why is that important? Why is it the power of the resurrection? I think the power of the resurrection is important because uh, death is perhaps the biggest human failure, isn't it? It's like the, the, the worst tragedy that we can think of. And in Jesus overcoming death, it was a way of saying that through Christ, we are able to overcome anything. Right? God can overcome anything, even death. And so when Jesus overcame the grave, it was a, a way of overturning evil, and failure, and shame, and all of the things that would hold us back, even something that seems so final 
as the grave. And so this is what Paul wants to learn. He wants to learn to share in Christ's sufferings, you know, to go through even difficult things and still know the power of overcoming, the power of the resurrection, the power of life over death. And then he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so this is a very powerful statement. You know, it's a true statement because it makes it clear that Paul is, is, is not under any illusions that he's already arrived. Paul's not deluded, right? He, he's admitting to us that he fails, right? I'm not perfect yet. I have not fully figured this out. You know, I haven't completely arrived, but I'm still learning uh, how to follow Christ more, how, how to uh, know Christ more. And so he says, I, I haven't fully obtained this, but I press on to make it my own. There, there we get a word that really reflects perseverance. I press on, I endure, I keep going to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so friends, sometimes in, in the Christian life, especially when you hear people talk about the gospel, um, there are these two kind of polar opposites that we talk about. We talk about what Christ has done for us on one hand, and then we talk about what we do, our part in it. And I love the way that Paul phrases it because he marries the two together, right? And so sometimes we talk about the gospel as if Jesus is the only one doing anything, right? Like Jesus, he overcame the grave. He did all this stuff. He died on a cross. I couldn't do that. I couldn't die on a cross. So Jesus had to do it for us. And sometimes when you hear people talk about the gospel, it makes it seem as if we do nothing, right? Like you can't do anything, like literally just do nothing. And I've tried to make it a point in my preaching to point out what folly that is, how uh, throughout scripture, um, I don't think you can read the words of Jesus and come to the conclusion that he thinks that we shouldn't do anything. Yes, we should follow him. Follow him means you do something, right? But at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum is the overemphasis of our works, right? What we do, you know? Like, oh man, I need to persevere. I need to discipline myself. I need to pray. I need to read the Bible. I need to love people. I need to forgive people. You know, I need to shape up my own life. You know, and oftentimes that is sort of uh, uh, something very prevalent in American culture, this idea that I can do it on my own. I don't need help right? And what you see with Paul is that he's kind of marrying the two together. I need to press on and to make the power of the resurrection my own. I need to have that because the fact of the matter is Jesus already did it, right? He already overcame the cross, but whether or not that has been made my own is the issue, right? Do I fully have the power of the resurrection in my life? What Paul is saying, not yet. Still getting there, right? But he says also, um, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own, right? So by Christ dying for us and resurrecting, he is making a statement for all time. He's saying, I forgive you, I love you. For my part, I am overcoming the grave so that 
you can have that power in your life. I have called you my own. You are now my children if you believe in what Christ has, has done for you, right? And so for all time, we don't have to worry that when we screw up, that somehow God is going to be mad at us or he's going to disqualify us or be like, oh, psh, you failed again? Really? What's wrong with you? No, he has already made us his own. We are part of his family. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but that is the quality of being a child of God that is so essential for running this race. This idea that God will never disown you. He will never kick you to the curb because you screwed up. You know, when you screw up and you, you know, fail to do something nice and people identify you as a pastor at a local church, it doesn't disqualify you. It doesn't. You know, even when you feel the sting and shame of failure, you know, maybe some of us, we've been living this Christian life for so long, but we are stuck in this rut, this cycle, where we keep trying and we keep failing. Maybe it is that area of Christian discipline for you. Now, I'm trying so hard to pray. I'm trying so hard to spend time with God, but man, I get busy. I forget. I get tired. And I can't do it. And I just keep failing again and again and again. Maybe there's a sin that you're struggling with. You know? Maybe there's, there's this sin that has just been looming over your life. Um, it, it, it's, it's an addiction. It's something you can't shake. I don't know. Maybe it's something like internet pornography. That's something that plagues a lot of people nowadays. And they try so hard to, to get rid of that. And I can't tell you how many Christians I've talked to about this sin and how much shame that they have about it. And they're just like, Pastor Steve, I try so hard. And I just keep failing. And you can just see it. Well, I, I literally can't see it in their eyes because they're looking down usually when they're telling me about this, right? They can't even look me in the eyes because they feel so much shame, right? I, I just, I feel that pain. I understand that. It's so hard. Like, I, I just, you know, I try. The will is there. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I could just keep trying, but I keep failing. And the message is here is twofold. Yes, Christ Jesus has taken a hold of you. Yes, Christ has died for you. So don't ever think that God will give up on you. Don't ever think that your sin disqualifies you. He loves you. He forgives you. His grace is there for you. You are a child of God. So no matter how many times you mess up, He will never, never disown you, right? I want to be clear about that, friends. But at the same time, do we have the power of the resurrection in our lives if we keep failing again and again and again? And the answer has to be no, right? Well, we don't have it fully in our lives, I should say. Because the power of the resurrection is one that overcomes, right? And so then it, it, that other side of the equation, I press on to make it my own. I need to persevere. I need to endure something. So how do we persevere? What is it that, that, that is our part in this? So verse 13 and on, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
And so there, there's something interesting here um, that I think sometimes we kind of gloss over because it sounds good, but let's take a look at what Paul is saying here and if this really passes muster for us. So take a look at uh, this one thing I do that Paul says. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That idea of forgetting what lies behind, uh, does that make sense to everyone? Or is that something that you think is, is the right way to approach you know, when you sin or when you screw up or when you fail? Should we just forget that sin? Should we just forget that it happened? And, and, and I think that this is something that, you know, we, we read it, it sounds good, and some of us are very good at that. We, we just kind of forget what happened. Like, oh, yeah, let's just put that out of mind, right? Like, that's just too horrible to think about. I don't think that's what Paul is saying, that we should just pretend like it didn't happen. But on the other hand, maybe for some of us, we don't just put it out of mind. We actually just perseverate on that sin. We just think about it all the time, right? And we think about our sin like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that again. Oh, what a screw up I am. Is that what God wants us to do too? No, and so sometimes what we do talk about, you know, forgiveness. Yeah, we need to have those sins forgiven. So I need to be sorry. I need to confess that sin. I need to think about the wrong that I did. You ever, like, like I don't know, think about how a, a parent disciplines a child. You know, when a child does something wrong, sometimes the parent will, you know, be like, oh, that's okay, you know, I forgive you. But the parent may notice, man, that, that kid just keeps doing the same thing again and again and again. And so what, what the parent will often do is when they mess up, the parent will try to explain to the kid or get the kid to, to vocalize what it is they did wrong. Like, like what did you do? Like, uh, I hit my sister in the head. Okay, why did you hit your sister in the head? I don't know. I felt like it. All right, well, do you think that was the right thing to do? I don't know. And you're like, you don't know? Think about what you did. Just think about it. Go, go, go sit in that corner. Think about it. Right? Is that what we do? Right? Or isn't that what we think will change your behavior? To think about what you did. Right? That doesn't sound like forgetting what, what lies behind, does it? So what does Paul mean by that? Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I think that you have to marry those two things. Forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead. So the idea, just in the end, what we are trying to accomplish is to move towards the goal, uh, uh, the, the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Becoming more like Christ. This is the key, is for us to focus on what the end goal is. So either way, if you are forgetting what lies behind or you're straining through something, right? You're straining through maybe the guilt or shame of something you did wrong. I I think the key is what is ultimately helping you to move forward in Christ Jesus? So let's start with the, the whole, uh, you know, people who are kind of hard on themselves. You think about the sin, you dwell on it, and you just feel bad about it. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I'm such a failure. Friends, does that really help us to move forward in Christ? 
What I've found, because, by the way, I'm more this person, right? I'm more on that spectrum of really just perseverating over sin, over my failures and shortcomings. And I've got to tell you, from personal experience, it does not help you move forward. What does it do? Well, what it does is it makes you feel really bad. And that feeling bad makes you want to hide or give up. Well, why is giving up such an attractive op- option? Because for a lot of us, when we perseverate on our sin and we think about that failure, we start to think we are the failure. Oh, I am a failure. I'm such a screw-up. I'll never be able to get free of this sin. And the more you think that, the worse it feels. And it doesn't feel like something that can be overcome. And so what is my two options? Either I feel really, really bad all the time, or I just ignore it. I run from it. I act like it's not there. You know, I run from the thing that is making me feel bad. And so for a lot of people, we uh, distract, we avoid, or we give up. You know, let, let's say you're trying to uh, do a spiritual discipline. You're trying to pray. You're, you're trying to read the Bible more. And that failure in doing it feels so bad that you're like, hey, I could either keep trying and keep failing and keep feeling bad, or just not try anymore. I can just give up, right? And that's, in fact, what a lot of us do. Now, the other side of the equation is to just act like it didn't happen. Just be like, ah, it's no big deal, and just keep moving forward. The thing is, friends, that if we do that, and we keep moving forward without properly considering uh, you know, what our sin was about, the consequences of it, why it was wrong, Right? If we do that, then it's very likely you're going to do it again. Right? So you have, may have forgotten what's behind you, but you're not straining forward to the upward call in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? So you may not feel guilty, but you're probably not becoming more holy. Does that make sense? And so there needs to be that balance of, yes, I need to consider my sin. I need to know why it was wrong. And this is why forgiveness is so important, to repent Right? And say, God, I messed up. Yeah, I messed up, but I am not my failure. This behavior is not right, but I am not the sin. The sin can be forgiven. Right? That's why it's so important for us uh, to make that distinction between your sin and who you are fundamentally in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are not a failure. Right? We already said that... Christ Jesus has already taken hold of you. You're his. He doesn't make failures. He doesn't make junk, right? You are not a worthless person. You have great value in Christ Jesus. But yeah, he wants you to become more like him. So to acknowledge, yeah, okay, I messed up there. That's not ideal. God loves me so much, he doesn't want to leave me as I am, right? So we acknowledge that failure. We ask for his forgiveness. And then we move forward, right? We move past it. That is so important, right? But for the people who are so quick to dismiss the sins, we don't like thinking about the failures. Maybe we're moving on too quickly. Maybe we do need to take that moment to actually ask for forgiveness so that we can move forward. Friends, I think that sometimes, uh, you know, I hear people say, yeah, but Pastor Steve, like, I think that it's so easy for us to justify our sin." Right? Like if you try to move past your sin, you try to act like it's not there, 
You know, you're kind of making excuses for yourself. And you're just going to keep on the cycle. And basically, this is what the cycle looks like. Like, you want to sin, but you know you're not supposed to. But you're like, hmm, I want to sin, but I don't want to feel bad about it. So I'm going to sin and then ask for God's forgiveness, right? And so, um, and then after that, I'm not going to sin anymore. Just this one time. Just this one time. And so, friends, this is the question you have to ask yourself. Remember, what is the end goal? to move forward to the upward call in Christ Jesus, to become more like Christ. And so this is the question you have to ask yourself. When you are tempted for that that one more time mentality, you know, I'm just going to do it this one time, that's it. Friends, you have to ask yourself, is that going to really help you move forward in Christ Jesus? Is that going to make you more holy? Is that going to bring more of the kingdom about in your life? Right? In, In other words, does sinning more ever help you to become more like Christ? And I think it's very clear that the answer is no, right? And so friends, this is something you may have to learn. You may have to go around that merry-go-round a few times of of like, you're like, oh, God will forgive me, and you sin, and then you end up where you were before. And then, you know, you, you kind of have to struggle back, and you're like, okay, do I do this sin again? Do I go back on that merry go round Or do I say no to that sin? And do I move upward in Christ Jesus? It's a question you have to ask yourself. What is it that I really want? What is it that God has really called me to do? Forgetting what lies behind, yes. You know, it's not about your sin and your shame and failure. Don't dwell on that. But you also need to strain forward for the call of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So it says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And friends, I think that this is also a very good thing for us to keep our eyes on Christ, but also on other people who are straining to do the same thing. You know, and that's what we're hoping to create in this ministry. And I hope all ministries strain for this, to have people who have the same mindset that we want to become more like God. You know, uh, a ministry like ours, we are called Living Grace Ministry. And part of Living Grace Ministry is that we don't judge people. We try not to judge people. You know, we we try to be accepting of people wherever they are in life. So sometimes people who come to our ministry, oftentimes, I I would hope that this is the case, uh, because as it says in Scripture, that that who, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Well, we have people who come to LGM who are, are still struggling with sin, who have bad habits. You know, maybe there's people who are stuck in the party scene or whatever the case may be. You know, whatever it is you struggle with, that's fine. You are welcome here. But as we form community, are we keeping our eyes on those who are trying to become more like Christ? And as we form community in LGM, are, are we having that common purpose? Or are we you know, just kind of uh, <laughs> grouping up with other people and saying, hey, well, they're not perfect too. We're all not perfect. Let's not judge each other, right? And it's true, you shouldn't judge each other. But what is the ultimate goal? 
Where are our eyes ultimately focused? Is it just on fellowship and having friends and having community and having acceptance? Or is it on really becoming more like Christ? And it says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And, and this is something that I wonder, you know, when Paul is talking about these people, there are many people of whom I have often told you, now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, I, I don't want to put too fine a point on this, but I wonder who Paul is talking about here. Is he just talking about people outside of the church? Or is he talking about even people within the church? He doesn't really specify, but he says that he's really broken up about it. He's telling them even with tears. And I wonder, friends, again, this is just my speculation, but I wonder if he's saying there are even people within the church who are walking as if they're an enemy of Christ. You know, that that they're they're walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. And friends, this is the thing. When we talk about moving forward in Christ, what is the alternative to that? If we are not moving forward in Christ, where are we moving? It's pretty explicit here, saying that we are moving towards destruction. But I don't think anyone ever lives their life like you know what? I'm going to walk towards destruction. Destruction, that seems like a good course to set. You know, I I remember hearing uh, just, uh, I've been reading and listening to a lot of stories of people who are affected by this whole opioid addiction crisis. Have you guys heard about this? That in some states, uh, people with opioid addictions, that the the overdoses that are caused by that, by like this addiction to painkillers and things like that, that in some states, there are more deaths to opioid overdose than to car crashes. Right? Car crashes for the longest time were the highest, um, you know, that, that was the, 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 the number one killer uh, in America. But now in some states, more people are dying to opioid uh, addiction. And I was listening to this one story on NPR where this guy was talking about his addiction. And he was like, I never thought that I would be that person. I always looked at people who had addictions you know, as weak. Like, oh, there's something wrong with you. I would never do that. You're just weak-willed. He said, but somehow I find myself there. And it wrecked my life. Lost my job. You know, I I lost relationships. My family disowned me. You know, I'm about to get kicked out of my house. I never thought that that's where that road would lead. And, and friends, you know, of course, that's a very stark picture, and that may seem extreme to a lot of us. But, but the question is that if people don't think, no one ever thinks like, oh, man, I'm going to head towards destruction. How do we get there? What is the path that leads us away from Christ? What is the opposite of pressing on to the upper goal in Christ, to letting God reign and rule? What is the opposite of it? The opposite is this. Our God being our appetites. Our God being our stomach, right? I, I love that. Their, their God is their stomach. I, I, I love that, not because I think that's a good thing, but because I think that's so 
um, that's so accurate, right? Like you think about your stomach and, you know, you get hungry. You know, you see that piece of a cake. I've been trying like this whole like kind of low carb thing. I've been trying to, you know, eat healthier and all this stuff. And so I get this. Like you look at a piece of chocolate, you know, especially if you haven't had sugar for a long time and you're just like, I want that chocolate. Get in my belly. I just want it, you know? And this is how most of us walk in life. Like, you know what? I want it. I'm just going to have it, right? I just want it. It's just what I want to do. You walk by your appetites. This is how most of us walk in life. And I wonder if Paul is saying, even some of you within the church, I say this with tears. I'm broken up over this. But some of you are living the same way. If you're not moving upward in Christ, if your eyes aren't on Christ in living for his kingdom and trying to become more like him, then most likely you are living by your appetites and by what you want. And friends, those are two opposite directions. You cannot have both. And for many of us, we do this thing where we're just running around in a circle all the time because there's a part of us Usually the part on Sundays, you're like, yes, I want to live like Christ. I want to be more like him. I want to let him reign in my life. I want to be free of this sin. I want to become more loving. I want to become more holy. Yes, I want that. But then on Monday, we're like, yeah, but I want to do what I want to do. Get my belly. I want to just enjoy life. And we don't think about where that leads us, right? And friends, those two things are incompatible. And part of the problem of shame, by the way, is that shame feels so bad that what is going to make you feel better? The appetites, right? You, know, you start feeling that shame. You're like, oh, man, this feels so bad. What's on TV? What is there to eat? You know, there's a lot of people I know that we get stuck in the cycle of sin because you're like, I, I, like, like you sin for some reason, and then you feel bad about it. So what do you do to feel better? You go to that sin that made you feel better. Now you feel bad because you sinned, right? So, so then you're back here and then you're like, okay, what's going to make me feel better? Oh, the sin. And then you just keep doing it again and again and again. Friends, I, I don't mean to say that the Christian life is one without pleasure. It's not true. Christian life has great pleasure in it, great joy. But we have to get the, the, the direction right. We have to get the order and priority right. That the problem with a lot of the ways that we live in this world is that our priority is pleasure. Like, number one, I want pleasure. And hopefully somehow I'll get God on the way. And it never works. But what the scripture tells us is that if you pursue God first, the pleasure will come after that. And the pleasure that you will get is greater than the pleasure that you get from just pursuing the things of, of the world, right? And oftentimes when we persevere in Christ, some of the things that we are called to do don't feel good. But this is what we are called to do is to persevere. Keep getting up. Keep pursuing Christ, right? And there's a great promise here. It says our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What does that mean? The power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 
That, my friends, is the power to rule over all. That is the power to overcome everything. And it is that power that Christ has that is operative in our lives as Christ's followers. And that that power will help to transform our lowly bodies. These bodies that struggle with sin. These bodies that struggle to do the right thing. These bodies that struggle to be selfless, to be loving and forgiving. To be a force of good in this world. And it will transform us into the people of God. Glorious bodies. Friends, uh, this is the... the, um, the way I want to kind of end this sermon series and this sermon is with a, a, a scripture that came a couple chapters before, Philippians 1, 6. It says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. That God has begun this good work in you, and he will bring it to completion. That is a promise, friends. You are not doing this alone. But what I want us to commit to, to really get set straight in our minds, is that when we commit to following Christ, this is a commitment for all time. And the commitment is simply this, friends. Every time you fail, get back up. Don't give up. Right? Because you will fail. But every time you fail, Christ will be there to bring you back up. Christ will be there to teach you. And of course, hopefully learn not to fall in the same way you did before. Let's not keep, you know, on this merry-go-round of failure. But friends, every time you fail, there is that temptation to be like, oh man, this feels so bad. What if I just give up? What if I just quit this Christian thing? You know, people in the world, they seem so carefree, so happy-go-lucky. You don't have to deal with this shame and guilt stuff. Let's get rid of that. Let's give up. Friends, this is the, the, the message. Uh, this is just what I want to leave you with, is to persevere, to never, ever give up. And when you get back up, your first move is to look to the cross. That's your first move, to look at the cross And it's not as much about what we are doing. It's not about how good we are, but it's about how good he is. It is about not so much how much we are able to persevere, but how much he has already persevered on our behalf. And us as Christ followers, the more we look at Christ and what he has done for us, the more that we are able ourselves to persevere. That grace is what spurs us on. That grace is what gives us the ability to get back up off the floor to say, you know what? This is what I'm called to in Christ Jesus. And it is glorious. Being like Christ is glorious. It feels good. It does, friends. Having that peace that Christ gives you, it is a wonderful thing. But you're gonna have to persevere. You're gonna have to keep getting up every time you fall. Can I get the praise team to come up? And, and I, I want to... Um, the praise team. Praise team of one. <laughs> the praise man, if you will. <laughs> Thank you, brother, for being so faithful. Uh, I think we're going to have a full praise band next week. But uh, yeah. Thank you for persevering. <laughs> 
Friends, um, maybe there's some of us, maybe there's something you've kind of given up on. You know, you, you tried something in your life for Christ. You've tried a Christian discipline. Maybe there's a sin you've been struggling with. And there's a part of you that has given up or is really close to it. Brothers and sisters, can I just encourage you? God has not given up on you. He has already taken hold of you. And you have victory in Christ Jesus. If you could look at all of time in history, if you could look the way that God looks, you will see that at the end, you will have a crown of victory. You will be with God and you will be glorious in your heavenly body. That's the way God sees you. God does not see you in your failure. But friends, your role in this is to not give up. Your role is to keep looking at the cross, to keep letting the power of the cross back into your life and keep pursuing it, not your appetites. So friends, uh, you know, maybe there's some way that you feel led to pray or there's something that you're convicted about. Maybe you want to make this pledge to God and just say, God, I pledge to follow you and not give up. And even if I do fail, I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to put my eyes firmly on the one who has already overcome. I'm going to put my eyes on Christ more than my failure. So friends, uh, uh, just whatever way you feel led to pray, let's just take a moment to pray right now. Let's pray. God, we confess to you, Lord, that we have not arrived. We have not obtained all of this. God, we still struggle. We still fail, God. But thank you, God, that you do not see us as failures. But you have taken hold of us, and you will never let go of us, God. And so, God, we have this promise, and we have this call to never give up on you, to keep our eyes on all that Christ has done for us. So Lord, if there's anyone who's struggling with sin and shame, anyone who's feeling defeated, feeling like a failure, God, I pray that they can hear this in their hearts. You are not your failure. God loves you and he forgives you and he will never give up on you. He has not given up on you. Brother or sister, lift up your eyes. You don't have to get up and uh, run a marathon right now. Just get up and lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes to the one who forgives you for all time. The one who loves you more than you could ever imagine. The one who persevered in a way that we never could. Who endured the pain and shame of the cross. Who overcame death itself for you that you can share in this life. Come and grasp it again. It is there for you. His grace, His love, and His mercy. 
Friends, we need to do that every day. Whenever we fail, get back up and turn your eyes to the cross again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.